Welcome to Mannerisms, the Manor Lakes Peter 12 College podcast, where we share the stories of people in our school community. teacher with an endless curiosity about the world and a limitless appetite for travel. Hailing from a far-flung part of country Victoria, Ben didn't go overseas until he was 25, but he has certainly made up for it since. Over the past 20 years, he has travelled to 43 countries, and he's been kind enough to join us to share some of his adventures. Welcome, Ben. Thank you, Ruby. Thank you, Ben. Great to see you both. Well, yes, another Ben, so I don't know if this room is big enough for two Bens. B1 and B2, you clearly are B1. Um, (laughs) So, Ben, uh, we really should have a theme song playing for you here. I was thinking uh, a bit of, I've been everywhere, man, I've been everywhere. Anyway, <laughs> I just song. wanted to sing. But uh, yeah. now, um, Ben, before we get into where you've been, uh, we want to know a little bit about uh, where you're from. I mean, you grew up on a, a 5,000-acre wheat and sheep farm in the Mallee in northeast Victoria, sorry, northwest Victoria, uh, out Swan Hill Way, uh, near a few little towns with funny names. Can you share those funny names with us? It always gives me a giggle. Well, yes, I grew up in a district called Tawaniny, which was not far from Nininook and down the road from Tittybong. <laughs> and the town you grew up in was? It was uh, Quambatook near there. So Quambatook's yeah. the um, main town, yeah. Yeah, it actually sounds a little bit like my uh, grandmother's um, hometown, a little bit further north, Chinkapook, near yes. Manangatang or abbreviated to Chinky and Manang. Yes, know so, the one. Great names. Um, and so um, Combatook was also where two Aussie music legends grew up, so John Williamson and Molly Muldrum. Hear any stories about them from their days in the town? I actually don't have anything much at all about them days in the town because um, they were much older than me, obviously, so that they had well and truly left by the time... I was, I suppose, born, really. Yeah, so yeah. nothing. I wish I did. That would be well, great. Actually, I think you've got one from having a, a preliminary chat with you, Ben. Uh, John Williamson wrote a musical called Quambatook, oh. and, and he also had a, yep. a song and an album called Boomerang Cafe, which I yes. believe you have a, a connection to. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, sorry, I forgot about that. So, we, um, yeah, Boomerang Cafe is actually in Quambatook, and he wrote the song about that. And I actually, um, my first house that I lived in, I can't remember living there, but um, was next door to the Boomerang Cafe. Well, there you go. Very nice. Um, and as we say, Ben, big wheat and sheep farm, and you also bred emus. Uh, please explain that for us. Well, I suppose my father was probably trying to diversify a little bit, and so emus was at that time the way to go. Um, didn't quite work out that way, but it was actually really interesting having emus. So they're very cheeky animals where you'd have your wallet in your back pocket and they'll take it out on you and run off oh. with it. So, yeah, yeah. so it yeah. was it was interesting, and to say gives, the least. Gives new meaning to hump day, I suppose. Too. Yes. <laughs> And so you were the eldest of five kids, so you had some responsibility. What was life like for a young Ben White? Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was um, a lot of responsibilities growing up on a farm. Like we had, I had to drive the tractor and, you know, um, I was driving on the roads well before I should have because you had to take How old? take my father out. Oh, I can't even remember when I started driving, to be honest. And that's probably, by the time I was driving on the roads, probably 12 or yeah. 11 and you're driving because you have to... Take your father out to the tractor, and he'd bring the tractor back, and so That's forth. That's typical so, in the country, though. Yeah, isn't it? very yeah. much so. Yeah, yeah. Um, you still have family in Quambatook? 
Um, no, not so much anymore. My grandmother was probably the last real family there. Um, but yeah, she's passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, right. so, you know, distant cousins and relatives now, but most yeah. of them are all Melbourne, Bendigo. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and like a lot of country folk, you were right into your sport. Uh, tennis was a family thing from a young age and, yep. you, and you still play now and you're involved on the committee at uh, Bacchus Marsh Tennis yes. Club. Um, as a sprinter in high school, you competed in the 4x100 relay in yes. the state championships and you played footy in Quambatook's senior team. And uh, I'm, I believe that Quambatook Footy Club actually folded only a couple of months ago because of, they didn't have enough players, which is obviously very sad. But uh, sport obviously meant a lot to you growing up, Ben. Oh, definitely. And I think um, growing up in the country, if you didn't play sport, there wasn't much else to do, really. So mm. sport was nearly everyone played sport where I was growing up. So, And if you didn't, you're probably thought of as a bit weird back then. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think that's changing, though. Yes. And so you went to Deakin University and did an arts degree majoring in journalism and history. You were offered a journalism cadetship at the Herald Sun, cadetship. but you knocked... Cadetship, sorry. Yeah. Um, but... Um, you knocked it back. Why was that? Um, at the time, I was um, I wasn't ready. I don't think I um, have. I was a bit stressed about it, I suppose, and didn't think I could do it. So I had a job at the time that I was enjoying, um, setting up stores around Australia for Dan Murphy's um, and so forth. So I sort of stuck with that. I have regrets, but then again, I don't either. Probably journalism um, probably wasn't my what I really wanted to do. I suppose if yeah. I really wanted to do it, I probably would have stuck with it. You got one up on me, mate. I sat that uh, three-hour exam yeah, that yeah. they set the Herald Sun. I don't think I got anywhere near it, not within a oh, bull's roar. But, it uh, wasn't easy. In, in terms of uh, Dan Murphy's, uh, you worked there for many years, right up until you became a teacher five yep. or six years ago. And you worked your way into a very responsible role at Dan Murphy's. You were a store manager and a, a transition manager where you'd set up stores in around Victoria and, and various other states, and, and you were basically a, a troubleshooter. I mean, how how did you enjoy that uh, career, I suppose? Oh, I loved it. I got to see a lot of Australia that I wouldn't have otherwise, such as um, the uh, Great Southern um, in Western Australia, which is beautiful, and I probably would never have gone there, not until I was older maybe. So, mm. yeah, I got to see lots of the world, and it was hard work. It was long days when I was there, but, you know, days off were great yeah. when I was there. Yeah, so I loved it. Yeah. Well, now we're going to move on to your travel experiences. Um, what have we got, Roops? So your first trip overseas was at the age of 25. You went on a five-week holiday around Europe, and while you were over there, you just happened to bump into a few people you knew. Yeah, so I was in a train station at Amps in Amsterdam, and I just suddenly looked up and saw a guy opposite me, Michael, and I was like, we, I didn't believe it was him to begin with because what are the odds of running into someone? especially with no Facebook now, so you have no idea that they're there, quite yeah. possibly, not like we, we <laughs> do now. Yep. Yeah, so, which was really unusual. So I hung out with him for a couple of days. We're going to Rome together as well and then um, found out um, when the, that they had a couple of extra people that they met in um, Chekhov. So I um, said I'll book a couple more rooms in Rome and they ended up turning up and it was my cousin's best friends that they met. So, um, yeah, small world. Sometimes. Yeah, small world, yeah. Um, so that obviously gave you the travel bug and you, you took off overseas any chance you got from there. I mean, fast-forwarding 10 years, at 35, you left your job at Dan Murphy's and 
basically to travel for 10 months. Where yep. did you go? What did you do? Uh, so I did go to Europe for about six weeks and then on to North America. So just New York and the East Coast of Canada. Yeah. And then I say the real trip started when we, I flew to Cuba, made my way down Central America and um, right down to Chile and then back home. Yeah. So that was probably about six months of it yep. altogether, the, yeah, yeah, right. that part. I think that might cover some of these um, amazing experiences that we want to ask you about. Yes. Um, was that the trip that we're in, in Brazil, you swam with piranhas? I mean, uh, yes. that just the idea of swimming with piranhas, either it sounds like you're either extremely brave or absolutely bonkers. Uh, tell us about it. Um, I suppose when you see locals doing things, I've always been a person... I'll never be the first person to do something, but if I see other people doing it, I will do it. Yep. So it's like food, eating some food, strange foods. If someone else is eating it, I'll probably eat it. Um, and same with that. Locals are swimming with piranhas. I thought, why not? Yeah. It was a hot day. So, yeah, yeah, I'd have been fishing for them all day and standing in the water up to my ankles anyway. So I thought, oh, well, might but as well. Explain the, why don't they attack oh. you? Yeah, so with piranhas, they're not as aggressive as everyone thinks they are. Um, they tend to um, stay away from live animals and they only know if they're maimed or injured or if they stop moving, they'll go in for the attack or if they're really hungry, the yeah. piranhas. So if they're in small pools of water or something and they haven't eaten for a while, but chance after you're in a big river, they're, they're not yeah. hungry or they're not bothered by you. Yeah, yep. well, I, I saw the movie Piranha when I was about 12 years old and I was terrified. So uh, thank you for uh, dispelling that myth. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it must have been an amazing time in Brazil because in the wild you also saw an anaconda, alligators, fireflies and even a jaguar footprint. Yes. So um, it was all in the same area pretty well. It's the Pantanal, which is the river system below the Amazon. So it's pretty much sim very similar to the Amazon, just on a smaller scale. So, um, yeah, so the anacondas, um, one swam right past our boat that we were um, on at the time and it wasn't a very big boat. Um, I also um, saw they're actually called caiman or caiman. Yeah. Um, they're like a small alligator and they're black and I didn't realise how many there were. We went round the, after I went swimming, we went round a corner, a couple of bends in a river and there were thousands of them just sitting on the bank and I'm just like, oh. that's when I really went, Wow, so yeah. I can't believe I just did what I did. So, but yeah, as I said, the locals were swimming there. Yeah. Um, but the jaguar, yeah. So supposedly jaguars are fairly. Um, they're not really aggressive animals um, unless they're cornered. So chances are they wouldn't have hurt us at all. There was a group of us; they wouldn't have come near us. Um, jaguars, as I said, they're lone animals, and yeah, only attack if they're cornered or chasing. You know, attacking yeah. an animal to eat. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so tell us about climbing volcanoes in Guatemala and you stood on top of one that had closed over. Yes. So in Guatemala, there was, there's quite a few volcanoes and they're quite high. Um, we climbed one of them. It was We started at like four o'clock in the morning, I think it was. Um, it was freezing there in the morning. Um, climbing up, it's quite um, strenuous um, because it's very fine sort of stones, um, sort of stony, standy, sort of, it's really weird. And you'll take three steps up and you'll fall back one step and two steps up, fall back one step because it's just so your yeah. feet can't get a grip. Um, so it's, it's quite high. It's actually the one I climbed was higher than Mount Kosciuszko. Wow. Saying that we didn't start at the bottom. We started um, about uh, two-thirds of the way up, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, and when we got to the top, it has been closed over. But as you're walking up, there's still lava coming and steam and smoke coming out the side of these okay. little holes. So, yeah, so it's, um, yeah, quite um, surreal, really, going up there. And they know when it's going to erupt. So it's not <laughs> like I was doing anything dangerous. Yeah. So they know now when volcanoes are going to erupt, it's not... Um, yep. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, when in Rome, do as the Romans do with your travels here, Ben. I yep. like that. Um, so uh, in terms of volcanoes as well, what about the uh, the earthquake near the volcanoes when you were standing on your, on your balcony? Tell yeah. us about that. That just sounded surreal as well. So the day I arrived in Antigua in Guatemala, um, I went um, into my hostel and I went upstairs. I was on my computer um, just relaxing when I, after arriving after a long bus, bus ride. And um, just sitting there and all of a sudden I'm looking at these three volcanoes in the distance with smoke coming out of two of them because they are um, actually active, two of them. And um, I'm just sort of sitting there watching and all of a sudden everything started shaking. So, and at the the start I didn't realise what it was. I was sort of thinking, what's going on here? But yeah, so it was a, and then the thought went through my head, that was an earthquake. I'm watching volcanoes, just thinking, this is where it ends. This is the end. So, but no, obviously nothing happened. And a couple of other backpackers who were with me were a little bit, yeah, like, okay, yeah, what's going to happen here? But yeah, and then then we got told Antigua had actually been flattened in 1910, I think it was, because of an earthquake. So they do get big earthquakes there. Well, you wouldn't have been able to find a more spectacular ending if it did end there, Ben. So I that's suppose. One thing to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Look at it like that. Um, and sorry, there was also an avalanche near you on one travel. Yeah. So when I was in Argentina, I was in Mendoza and uh, I was supposed to leave on a bus and going through the Andes. And I was looking forward to going on a bus through the Andes and just how looking at the scenery and so forth. And the morning I got there, the bus um, about an hour, two hours before I was supposed to leave, an avalanche um, basically blocked the road um, to Santiago in Chile for me to get on the bus. So I was stuck in, when I say stuck in Mendoza, I was quite happy with that. Um, It was a beautiful place, but yeah, I did want to get to Chile though. And yeah, it was disappointing, but I'm glad I wasn't there when the avalanche went through, I suppose. That was a lucky... How much carnage did it cause? Um, Look... News there it was really hard to sort of get because I, it's in Spanish, obviously. Yeah. Um, and for me, it wasn't really mentioned in the Australian news and that. Yeah. So, and not, yeah, our hostel are all English, yeah, yeah, pretty much as well. So I didn't hear much about it, really. Um, and in the beautiful San Blas Islands of Panama, yes. uh, you could easily have uh, become shark tucker if you didn't have such good timing. Tell us about that. (laughs) So we were in San Blas Islands and um, on a um, sailboat um, sailing from Panama to Colombia. Um, You can't go any other way because there's a Darien Strip, which is one of the most dangerous parts of the world. It's where the drug cartels um, meet army and so forth. So it's where the, the drugs basically come up from South America up to North America. So you don't go that way. So you either fly or you take a boat. When I was on the San Blas Islands, um, at night time, there was these two people swimming with goggles on. I said, why are you swimming with goggles on at night? And I didn't realise that you actually get in the water and you look at plankton and it lights up bright blue. Yeah. It's fluorescent blue Bi- colour and it's absolutely beautiful. I think they call it. Yeah. yeah, you run your hand through the water and you're watching and it's just this blue stream coming um, off your hands. It's absolutely amazing. 
And so we're doing that for ages. And then the following day, we got told by a couple of the locals, they were saying that there were two reef sharks just um, near us that night. So feeding. Um, Reef sharks, again, aren't notoriously... um, Whatever, it's like aggressive. the jaguar, they're not aggressive people, yeah. um, unless you get in the way or of them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they, yeah. yeah. So thankfully, um, nothing happened again. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so in Colombia, your boat was followed by dolphins, which is one of my favourite animals. Yes. And you've also seen flying fish up close. Yeah, I actually didn't realise. I'd heard of flying fish, but I never really thought much about them, I suppose. And when we're in the Caribbean going in our boat, they were just flying out of the water and they'd fly for a good 10, 15 metres through the air and then jump into a wave again. It was it was pretty impressive. I've never yeah. – um, I would never have believed it, I don't think, unless I've seen it. So it was – yeah, they definitely fly yeah. for a while, yeah. And so you've just come back from a three-week adventure in Cambodia and Thailand. So yep. how was that? Um, amazing. So, again um, – I'm not one of those people who stays at one place for a week or two. I love moving around. I get bored very easily. So, yeah, moved around a lot and went through, you know, a couple of places in Cambodia for a week and then probably six places in Thailand just trying to move around and see as much as I could. Um, Bangkok street food. Do If you ever get a chance, the street food in Bangkok is just phenomenal. Like you're paying $2 for this massive meal of um, – my favourite one was um, – Kalman um, guy, which right. is oily chicken in on rice, and it's yeah. if you ever get a chance, honestly. And then also up in Chiang Mai, which is up in the north, yeah. um, beautiful part of Thailand. Um, actually went to an elephant sanctuary and got to wash them and feed them, and um, it was just an amazing experience. So no riding there, but yeah. definitely, um, which yeah, I made sure I didn't want to do that. But yeah, it was just absolutely amazing experience with the elephants. Tell us more about the, the elephants because they've been freed or rescued yeah. from, uh, I suppose, captivity or their or uh, uh, their masters, I suppose. Uh, and yeah. Tell us about that the experience of being in the water with them. Yep. So the oh, being in the water with them was absolutely amazing. so gentle, mm-hmm. um, really gentle giants, I suppose you can say, and. Um, they didn't force them to go in the water. There was five of them there at the time and they didn't force them into the water. Only one came in at the time. So it's not, they're not, or two came in, but the other one left. So, yeah. um, which was, which is great. They don't force them to do things. They have been saved. Um, when they're being trained for anything that they do for humans, whether it's helping them with, um, uh, their, uh, crops or whether it's something pulling things or riding or anything like that they actually use a knife and bang it on the back of their legs to train them and it actually cuts into their skin so a lot of these elephants had scars and i I don't think people realize that and it's it's very Mm. common for people to ride them and i get that but i don't think it's educated enough for us to know those sort of things i suppose to understand that so like even the tigers that people go see are actually chained up and they're drugged Yep. So that they can be, so people can sit next to them. So I don't think people realise that because I think it wouldn't be as popular if people yeah. knew those sort of things. Yeah. Yeah, in Phuket, Beck and I got to hold, um, a, what do you call it? A, 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 I think it was a cheetah kitten yep. or something like yep. that. You call it a kitten? Or cub, 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 sorry. Yeah. Kitten. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we sensed that it, was, uh, it wasn't its normal yeah. self. So it clearly been doped a yeah. bit. And, but yeah, if we... If most a lot of us knew about that stuff, we it would really inform our decision making. Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. Yeah. Now, uh, in Cambodia, did you go to the bit 
a bit macabre, a bit yep. morbid, morbid. Did you go to the killing fields where, I suppose, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge yeah. killed so many people back in the 70s? Yeah, two and a half million. So yeah. absolutely. Of their own people. Yeah, yeah it was absolutely. And you, they chose people because they wore glasses. So I would have been gone. Me? You would have been gone, yeah. Ben. So, yeah, because they um, intelligent people, they wanted to get rid of intelligent people because they didn't want yeah. people fighting against them. So, yeah. But the killing fields, you're walking through it, you actually still see bones in the ground that have been washed. So it's starting to erode the soil and you can see the bones coming up. So um, they had something like 6,000 skulls inside one of the, um, in the middle memorial. Um, so it looks like a temple, but it's not. It's just this memorial and 6,000 skulls in there. It's from... Yeah babies up to elderly people so it's absolutely yeah hor awful um yeah to walk through it and just think this is this happened does that so, make you emotional when you go to the, the oh yeah, like yeah definitely yeah. i'm even talking about it, i suppose yeah. um i went to dachau as well one time um which is one of the um concentration camps outside that the nazis use outside of um, um munich um like those sort of things are just yeah. awful it's inhumane, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Yep. Um, Barbaric. Yep. Yep. Um, now, uh, back on to nicer. Yes. Topics. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, uh, so, what's your favourite holiday destination so far? Oh, there's so many. It's hard yeah. to sort of... Um, everyone knows I'm one of those people. I, don't even, I can't even tell you what my favourite colour is because it changes. Um, but I would have to say I loved Cuba. Being in Cuba for eight weeks, four weeks. It was yeah. four weeks, sorry was just an amazing experience. I, yeah, two weeks in Havana and then driving around, um, we actually hired a car and I drove down to Santiago de Cuba yeah. and then back and it was just an amazing experience. Um, what makes it amazing? Um, just how different it is. Um, the people are really nice and, but driving along, there's no, hardly any cars. There's no peak hour traffic. Um, it was really weird. We arrived in one place. I can't remember which one it was. Menagine? No, that's in... No, that's somewhere else. I can't remember the name of the place we're in, but we actually driving the car down this little street and all of a sudden, like a flash mob, these kids came out of the, like this dance school dancing to Thriller in the middle of the street uh, and I had to stop the car and wait for them to finish their dance. You've so, walked into a musical. Yeah, it was, it. it was yeah. hilarious, but it was a great experience oh, to see. Great. I loved it. Yeah. And so do you have a least favourite holiday destination, somewhere where you recommend people don't go? <laughs> Um, well, honestly, this is my opinion and I think, um, a lot of people love it, but it's not my thing cause I like doing lots of things. And, um, so I actually didn't love Phuket. Right. I didn't yeah. love it, but I think that's because going out on the boats was great to destination, but I hate sitting on a boat for three hours to get somewhere and it's more of you a know, relaxed holiday that yeah, way, isn't it? yeah. and I, th I think i'd probably do it but i wasn't after a relaxed holiday for that so yeah. look i love phuket i really did but it wasn't somewhere that i would yeah. go um but there was somewhere else um that we went um oh if you're in bangkok this one thing the floating market oh, don't right. ever do it oh really never it's not even floating it's like on a canal and they're on the side, it's still on land and they call it a floating market. And it's just you on a boat and they're just trying to sell you stuff the entire way, sell yeah. you souvenirs and it's just... So it's a bit of false advertising, Ben. Yeah, um, yeah. It was, they just want to sell you things and that's the entire <laughs> trip and just like, I can do this in Bangkok at a market, and, yeah. but I can't, you can't leave because you're stuck on the boat. So you're just stu yeah. stuck there. Actually, I went on a, a floating hotel. This is on the 
bridge, like near the bridge on the River Kwai, a bit further uh, yep. down from that. It was a flotel, floating hotel. It was beautiful. That would have been you know. great. Um, now, another trip that, or part of a trip that you wouldn't have enjoyed was in South America somewhere where you contracted the Giardia yes. bug and you spent a few days on a drip in hospital, didn't you? Yeah, it was one night. It one was night, one sorry. night. Yeah. And yeah, so... I think it had been building for a while because I wasn't feeling well and I was really dehydrated. So um, I just collapsed in the hostel I was in at the time. So I had to go to hospital. Um, I didn't know how to get... Like I I came to and I had to walk myself there because I didn't really know... I was in a hostel and they weren't very helpful at the time because I looked fine after I'd sort of... But I just looked under the weather. So I ended up going to hospital having tests done and... Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful hospital though, obviously, because um, travel insurance, they knew I was going to be paying top dollar. So Yeah, yeah, sure. Yep. Okay. Um, and obviously your your aim is to visit 50 countries by the time you're 50. Yep. It's not a bad slogan. Um, so you've got five <laughs> years to see another seven countries. and But considering you've done two a year for the past 20 years, you'll clearly do that very easily and unless something uh, untoward happens but so overall you've only got about 150 countries left ben um (laughs) uh what other places are are on your bucket list i mean you haven't been to africa yet have you no haven't been to africa at all so that definitely is on there like a lot of countries there south south africa tanzania rwanda um egypt morocco um just to name a few i suppose Mm. there um Mali as well. Um, then Europe. I've, there's a few places I haven't been to Spain or Portugal yet. So two countries that I, you know, most people have when they go to Europe, yeah. but I haven't. Yeah. Iceland would be great. Yeah. Um, love to go back to. I haven't been to Peru or Bolivia. Um, I missed that last time. So hopefully, yeah, I want to get back and do Machu Picchu. Um, yeah. So still plenty of places. Japan, still heaps to see. Yeah, so that's, that's right. Yeah. And so where are you planning to go next? So have you already got something booked? Haven't got anything booked yet, but I am talking with my partner and we're thinking um, at this stage we want to have a white Christmas next year. Mm. So thinking of heading to Sweden. I've been to Sweden, but I've got friends there who would probably host us for Christmas. If I asked nicely, I'm sure they would. So my partner hasn't been to Sweden, hasn't been to Europe. So I've said to them, I will go to two countries with you that I've been to as long as we go to two countries I haven't been to as well. So if it's Sweden, we'll probably do Sweden, Norway, which I've been to, but also add Iceland and Poland onto there, I think. So, yeah. Um, So just a general one, I suppose, if if anyone's on the fence about travelling, convince them, Ben, uh, why should they get out and see the world? I mean, it's obviously got so many benefits for you in your life. Mm. Um, Probably because we don't realise how different the world is and how different people are but also at the same time how how similar we are and you actually get to see people in their countries and you have a better respect for people in your own country in the multicultural um, side of our country that we have the most multicultural city in the world is Melbourne so you sort of you get that experience and you actually have a better respect I believe for the people who are you perceive as being different to you mm. so yeah without a doubt and the food Honestly, yeah. um, you, do, you don't know Mexican food until you've been to Mexico. You don't know um, Thai food until you've been to Thailand. It's not the same, even at a restaurant that not, says... You mean it's not like Taco Bills? Definitely not like oh, Taco sorry. Bill, sorry. Wow. So, okay. All right. Um, 
and having said all that, I, I think I heard you joke once. Uh, I've, I've spent so much money on travel, I could have owned three houses by now. You probably oh. wish I didn't bring that up, but what I'm saying is, for all the front fun, it's it's still it still costs a bit, doesn't it? Oh, de- way, yeah, it's a cost benefit analysis, really, isn't it? Oh, without a doubt. But you know, I when I went on that ten month trip, I sold up everything. I actually had a house and yeah. had a car and had everything, and I just sold everything yeah. um, to fund quit my job at the time so yeah. i got you know everything got money from that as in all my holiday pay paid out and yeah. and spent the lot how much it came back broke the big reset yes and so now on to teaching so you've only been teaching um at manor lake since 2017 when you started here um so have you brought any learning from your travels and incorporated it into learning Um, I think I always do. I love talking to the kids about where I've been and also talking to them about where they've been as well, Um, finding out where they're from as well and then working out, have I been there, talk to them and, yeah. Quite a few are well-versed in travel, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. Because where their families are from and all that. Yeah, Yeah, so it's really interesting to talk to them about that. And because they're grade two or grade three, which I've mainly had lately, I can teach them a bit as well about different things because they don't know a huge amount. And so, yeah, I always bring in yeah. my travels and talk to them about it and talk to, get them to talk about their travels as well because that yeah. interests me as well. If I haven't been there, like the Philippines, one of the kids got back today and I was really interested to hear all about the Philippines because yeah. that will be another great country to go to. Oh, for sure. Um, now, Ben, I, it would be remiss of me not to bring up a painful memory. You're going to kill me for bringing this I, up. The infamous yeah. incident at Athletics Day a few years ago, people are still talking about it, when you competed in the teacher's sprint and you tripped at the finish line, you hit the deck hard, broke your collarbone, and a few people laughed right when it happened, such as my wife. Uh, shame on you, <laughs> Beck. She'll be listening. And Ben, I sincerely apologise for, for her, her uh, performance no, that day. Fine. But uh, it was quite a serious injury, wasn't it? Yeah, so I would say I didn't break my collarbone. I smashed it. Um, so mm. I had three surgeries on it. I had to have a graft done from my hip um, to go up to graft it because the first um, didn't the first surgery didn't work. It didn't grow, so I had to do a graft. Had a metal bar in there. It's gone now. Mm. Uh, still got the scar to prove up here and down on my hip. Um, when I say up here, sorry, I yeah. forget this is yeah. a podcast, but on my shoulder, top sure. of my shoulder, obviously. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, I think in total, I was nine months. Um, it took 10 months, yeah. maybe. Mm. So, yeah, it was a lot of days off work and um, lots of, um, it's not rehab, I suppose, but I didn't do that, but lots of days off to recover. Yeah. yeah. But you won this year's sprint, didn't you? Oh, I, I don't know. It was close. I got a second, but um, some people, depending on where you were standing, yeah. from your perspective, um, yeah. some people said it was me. Some people said it was um, Mitch, but yeah. I'm going to stick with me. Well, um, that was very brave of you after 10 months recovery to yeah. go back out there. Well, he, oh. was a, he was the reason, basically, that it was cancelled for a number of years. So we've, <laughs> we've sort of We've reinvented it and brought it back. Actually, Mr. Warner will be listening to this right now, I'm sure, and thinking we're going to get rid of that next year. But keep it. It's it's a great laugh for everybody. Yep. And my hamstrings are still screaming from months ago. <laughs> I think I came last. So, uh, yeah. So, Ben, um, as you've shown here, you, you're a very knowledgeable, uh, cultured man. Uh, and a few years ago, you showed everyone just how knowledgeable you are oh. also by... 
well, during a TV appearance on Millionaire Hot Seat with Eddie Maguire. You won a thousand bucks. Do you remember the question you got wrong at the end? Oh, will you? Will I ever forget that question? Is the real question. It was, um, and some people don't let me forget it. Yeah. Even someone, actually, I won't name him, Ash. Um, actually put the qu- what it was in my pigeonhole. So the question was, on which surface is broomball played? Now, I'd never heard of broomball in my entire life. I don't think many people have. Um, the worst thing was the seven questions before that, I knew every single one of them. And so I was really um, confident. confident. Yeah. And then I got that. And so the choices were sand, ice, wood, and something else. I can't remember. It might have been grass. And I said, oh, it sounds like that other sport with the the broom, curling. curling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's played on ice. Ice, And Eddie said, yep. And then I said, wood. It's played on wood. Don't know why I just suddenly went with that. And it's ice. So I missed out on, well, it was $20,000. So I lost $19,000 with that answer because I walked away with $1,000. But hey, you live and learn. (laughs) (laughs) And so our little segment before the bell um, some just some short and sharp questions. So, firstly, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Ah, uh, okay. What did I want to be when I? So, a bit interesting this because obviously I was um, a bit strange. But um, two things: I wanted to grow up and be Italian. Um, oh, wow. When I was that's a, a bit <laughs> difficult. Uh, yeah, especially when you're not Italian or anything. But that's what I wanted to be because um, right. I was obsessed with Italy. So, absolutely obsessed with the place, pizza and the Statue of David and Florence and Rome and the Colosseum and everything like that. Absolutely um, wanted to see it all. And second, there was one other thing I wanted to be as well. I wanted to be a vampire. So, are we safe in this room? (laughs) I think security's left. Ruby, we could be in trouble here. (laughs) Very strange, I know, but I don't know why. I was also obsessed with vampires as well, reading about them and just... How old were you first reading about, were you, when you started first reading about vampires? Because this is a bit disturbing, Ben, that if you were a child and you were reading about... Yeah, I was reading about the history of vampires. I've uh, probably, I was in primary school and I was probably in grade one or two reading about vampires and the history of them. Dracula was a big thing when we were kids, wasn't it? Yep, and so all about the history and the folklore and the stories about it. It's, it's, yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it interests me. And we do have Halloween coming up. (laughs) We do, yes. Um, Okay, now what advice would you give your teenage self? Obviously, it's going to be to travel. Yeah, probably travel sooner. Um, put words in your mouth, though. Yeah, no, that's fine. It would be to travel sooner. But I think, um, honestly, it's... Yeah, it probably would be travel. Go out and see the world. I, for me, I would definitely do it earlier if you can. Like, as soon as I finished school, I wish I had it done. I did a gap year, worked overseas. Um, yeah. you know, worked for a year or two in Britain or anywhere. I don't know. It would have been... I would have loved that. And I think... It's not a missed opportunity because I could still do it, but it's a lot harder now yeah. to do, I think, to work overseas. Um, unless you've got a – I suppose as a teacher I can, but, yeah. yeah it's Work anywhere as a teacher potentially. Yeah. 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 So, and who's the most famous person you've met? Possibly Eddie Maguire or um, – Yeah, it's probably Eddie Maguire. Oh, Kari Webb. Oh, yeah. Um, golf, golfer. Golf champion. Yep. Um, met her. Um, I think there's – yeah, there's probably Eddie Maguire, and, yeah. which I'm – 
couldn't really care less about. Um, well, a common, uh, sorry, a Collingwood man, I find that blasphemous. Uh, uh, oh, Tim Watson, actually. I met Tim Timmy? Watson. Oh, yeah. Love Tim Watson. So I'm an Essendon um, supporter. Oh, yeah. Don't hold yeah. that against me at the moment. Nah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Tim Watson, I actually got to spend the day with him because I was, right. um, I did a uh, work experience at Channel 7 while I was at uni. Yeah, right. And so it was a week there, and one of the days when it was before he was the um, the news reader, the or news reader or the sports yeah. reader, he um, yeah was going around obviously being a sports yeah. commentator type thing, and yeah I um, got wow. to sit with him and go around the day well, went to Waverley Hill when it was still there. Yeah, yeah. went to yep. yep, yep. Okay, um, do you have any hidden talents, Ben? Hidden talents. No, I don't really have any hidden talents. I'm pretty... We've mentioned all your sporting ones and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Is there anything, any party tricks or anything like that? No, not really. Um, no. I used to be able to fold my bottom lip over, but um, that's... <laughs> Give not... us a look. I can't do it. I haven't it's, been able to do it. It's not a visual medium here, but he... Yeah, I, I can't do yeah. it anymore. I used to be able to do it. I don't attempt. know. Yeah. Maybe the... I don't know. <laughs> it's... um. Yeah. Our right. favourite singer or group? Oh, favourite singer or group. Wow. Um... Gee, there's so many. Again, I'm I'm indecisive. It depends yeah. on the day and how I'm feeling. What about today? What are you listening to at the moment? Um, if you had to put a CD on now, what would it or a CD? If you would go to Spotify, uh, what would you put on? Pearl Jam. I oh, love yeah, Pearl Jam great. from my teenage years. Soundgarden. Yeah. yeah. Um, a great the grunge era. Yeah. Yep. But then my music tastes are really weird. I love Florence and the Machine. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's lots of different. Yeah. Um, okay. I can listen from Tool all the way to if I'm in the mood, Celine Dion. Uh, yeah. You know, it's yeah. my eclectic. Yeah. Yep. So cultured man, Ruby. I, yeah. to, I said that, didn't I? Uh, what about a movie or series recommendation? Movie or series? Well, I love. Um, at the moment, I'm watching um, All of Us Are Dead, which is a zombie um, oh. Korean zombie um, TV watch show. This, guys, in the vampires, um, zombies. So, uh, we're which in, I enjoy. We're in trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I, I love my. Um, uh, uh, overseas movies, my um, mm. subtitles and that. So, yeah. um, but a TV series as well. Oh, Game of Thrones. How can you go past it? And I'm watching um, yeah. the new one at the moment. Um, what's it called? House of Tug. Not the, the prequel. Yeah. yeah, House of the Dragon. Yeah, yep. yeah that's it. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I just um, eluded me then. No. And yeah, so love watching those sort of fantasy sort of yeah. um, TV shows. I suppose at the moment. Yeah. Right. And yep. what are you most looking forward to in your life right now? Um. Honestly, I'm traveling again next year. <laughs> so that's what I'm yeah. going to start organizing. So, yeah. and tennis. I love tennis and I live yeah. for it. So it's my, I suppose, my hobby and cooking. I look forward to cooking. I look forward to um, gardening. It's mm. basic things when I'm not traveling. So yeah. I suppose I need to save the money, don't I? So yeah. I need to do simple things. Yep. So, Wonderful. Ben, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. We hope you have many more travel adventures. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed that. You'll be hearing from us. Goodbye. See you later. Mannerisms, the Manor Lakes Peter 12 College podcast, is entirely recorded and produced on-site here at the college. If you think there's someone we should interview, please email your nominations along with a brief explanation to our email address. Podcast at manorlakesp12.vic.edu.au or just come over for a chat when you see us around the school. 
We must thank some wonderful teachers for their time and expertise for this project. Aidan Arendez and his team for their technical production skills to bring this podcast to the airwaves. Quite a time-consuming task indeed. And to Michael Polk for sourcing our hip theme music and designing our stylish cover art. Thanks, gentlemen. And last but not least, thanks to you, the listeners, for tuning in. Until next time.